Well, grace to you and peace from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. Amen. So last October, Chapman University in uh, Orange, California, released its ninth annual Chapman University Survey of American Fears. This is an ongoing study from the school, and every year around Halloween, they release updated survey results. For 2022, there were 92 fears on the list. Everything from abduction to zombies. According to the survey, here are the top 10 things we Americans were afraid of last year. You ready? Number 10, biological warfare. Number nine, pollution of oceans, rivers, and lakes. Number eight, economic or financial collapse. Number seven, not having enough money for the future. Number six, pollution of drinking water. Number five, the U.S. becoming involved in another world war. Number four, people I love dying. Number three, Russia using nuclear weapons. Number two, people I love becoming seriously ill. And the number one fear Americans had last year? Any guesses? Death? Corrupt government officials. (laughs) Maybe you're afraid of some of these things, or all of these things, or maybe something else. If we're honest, we're all afraid of something. We all have these horrible worries about what could happen if things went really wrong in our lives. And a lot of times, these things are out of our control. Well, Jesus' disciples were afraid to. In today's Gospel reading, we get the famous transfiguration scene. And at one point, the text says... The disciples fell to the ground and were overcome by fear. But what were they afraid of? Would their fear have made the Chapman University list? Well, in order to find out, we need to go back to the previous chapter. There, Jesus and his disciples were in Caesarea Philippi, which was a prominent Roman city. And with all of that Roman culture around them, Jesus asked them, who do you say that I am? Peter correctly said, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Now, like many other people at the time, Peter probably thought that the Messiah was going to be somebody who would kick out the Romans and let the Jews get their land back. This is why Jesus had to clarify what it really meant for him to be the Messiah. He told them that he must go to Jerusalem and undergo great suffering at the hands of the elders, the chief priests, and the scribes, and be killed, and on the third day be raised. Peter then pulled Jesus aside and said, God forbid it, Lord, this must never happen to you. Jesus told him, get behind me, Satan. 
You are a stumbling block to me. For you are setting your mind not on divine things, but on human things. Jesus then goes on to say that if they really want to follow him, his disciples need to pick up their cross and follow him. They need to join him in what he's doing. Okay, let's pause for a moment here and think about Peter's reaction to what Jesus said. I imagine he tried to stop Jesus from dying for two reasons. First, he didn't understand why the Messiah should die in the first place. Right? I mean, if he's supposed to take down Rome, how can he do that if he's dead? And second, I think he tried to stop Jesus from dying because this would have been a big change for Peter. This is not the way he thought things should go. Basically, Peter was in denial of what was happening. But then again, plenty of us have been there too. Think about a time when you've heard about a major change happening in your life, and you didn't want to believe it at first. Maybe it was a breakup. Maybe it was the loss of a job. Maybe it was a diagnosis. Maybe it was the death of a loved one. Maybe it was needing to give up your independence or your ability to drive. Maybe it was realizing that those you took care of are now taking care of you. Whatever it was, it didn't seem real at first. It just felt like a strange dream. You were just waiting to wake up and have things go back to the way they were. But that didn't happen. You wanted to hang on to, this is the way we've always done it. But you couldn't. Life wasn't going to let you. You were afraid of this unknown future. And you were resisting it. This was your fear that this thing might actually be true. So you lived in denial of it instead. I think that's where Peter was. He heard the news of this change, but he didn't want to accept it. Then we get today's reading. Six days after that moment in Caesarea Philippi, Jesus takes Peter, James, and John up this mountain. And while they were there, suddenly Jesus was transfigured before them. And his face shone like the sun, and his clothes became dazzling white. Then Moses and Elijah suddenly appeared too. Now this had to be a remarkable experience for these disciples. And it had to feel like quite the contrast to Jesus dying. Right? This was not Jesus bloody and broken. This was Jesus glowing and radiant. He was in the company of two of the greatest people in their history. He was clearly God in their midst. So once again, Peter spoke up. And he said they should make some dwellings up there. 
Now, let's be clear. Peter was not trying to capture this moment forever. He wasn't trying to live on this mountaintop and avoid going back down the valley to boring reality. Now, instead, he was probably thinking about the Jewish festival of booths. And this was the time when Jewish people would put up these booths to remember God traveling with the Israelites in the wilderness, in booths or in tabernacles. It was a time to celebrate that God's presence was with them. So that's what Peter wanted to celebrate here, because God was clearly on this mountain. And this divine presence is what Peter wanted from Jesus, not suffering and death. But then a cloud came, and a voice from the cloud interrupted Peter, and it said, This is my son, the beloved, with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. This voice repeated the exact same words that were spoken over Jesus at his baptism. But this time, there was an added phrase at the end. Listen to him. Then we hear the line about the disciples being afraid. When the disciples heard this, they fell to the ground and were overcome by fear. Okay, so what were they afraid of? Well, maybe they were terrified by the volume or the tone of the voice. I mean, this was God speaking to them after all. But I have a feeling they were also terrified by the message. Listen to him. Jesus told you he's going to die. There isn't anything you can do about it. You can't get in his way. You can't change it. You can't stop it. It's going to happen. He's going to die whether you like it or not. Listen to him. The only way the disciples could respond to that is to fall to the ground and be overcome by fear. They couldn't deny the truth of this change anymore. Jesus was going to die, and they would have to go on without him. This wasn't some horrible dream that they could just wake up from. This was real. Maybe you know that experience, too. Maybe you've tried to deny a change in your life, but eventually you have to accept that it is happening. It's real. And once you accept it, you might feel like you just slumped down on the floor in fear and despair. This is not the way you wanted things to go. How are you supposed to handle all this? How are you supposed to go on from here? 
Well, notice what happens next. After the disciples fall to the ground, Jesus came and touched them, saying, Get up and do not be afraid. And when they looked up, they saw no one except Jesus himself alone. Okay, so why does Jesus tell them not to be afraid? Because not only is he going to die, but he's also going to rise again. Right? He told them that too. Jesus is going to conquer death. In other words, there is no change so great, either for the disciples or for you, that Jesus can't bring new life out of it. Let me say that again. There is no change so great, either for those disciples or for you, that Jesus can't bring new life out of it. That's what this whole transfiguration scene is about, my friends. Yes, there's some cool special effects with Jesus glowing, and we get some fun cameo appearances by Moses and Elijah. It's a great moment. But what makes this moment amazing is that it is very much connected to the resurrection. Right, listen again to the last line of the reading. As they were coming down the mountain, Jesus ordered them, tell no one about the vision until after the Son of Man has been raised from the dead. The transfiguration makes no sense apart from the resurrection. That's because here on this mountain, Jesus is glowing and radiant and has Moses and Elijah next to him. But later, on another mountain, he will be bloody and broken with two criminals on either side of him. And yet, the Messiah who suffers and dies on one mountain is also the same Messiah who is God with us on the other mountain. These two scenes, this mountain of transfiguration and the Mount of Golgotha, they go together. You have to view one through the lens of the other. Or, to put it all another way, the transfiguration of our Lord is not only when our Lord is transfigured, It's also the transfiguration that our Lord does. He changes death into life. And that changes the world. And it changes you. That means no matter what you are going through right now, No matter how you're worried about the future, no matter what you're afraid of, whether your fears are on that Chapman University list or not, 
Jesus will still bring you to new life. He will always bring resurrection. And he will do it for you. What the disciples saw on that mountaintop was the reminder that Jesus is God with them even when suffering and change and fear are all around them. It was a reminder that the world is not falling apart. Yes, Jesus was going to die. They couldn't stop that. But he was also going to rise again. And nothing could stop that either. So keep an eye out for all of the beautiful, glowing reminders of God's presence in your life. But more importantly, when you have to go back down into the valley of life, listen to what he says. He will rise again. Or, since we're already on this side of the empty tomb, we can say, He has risen. He has conquered death. And he has brought you to new life. So get up. Face the future. And do not be afraid. Jesus is with you. In the name of the one who transfigures death into life, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.